This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Twenty-nine other MLB clubs. Two-two pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back, gone for Yelich. Cody Bellinger hits one out. Pete Alonso, he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe, from spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Live from the ABC Sports Desk in New York, I'm Chris Townsend. We have breaking news to start out the show. So before we get to our buddy Jeff Blum at 4.15 and Eno Saris from The Athletic at 4.30 and Scott Emerson, our pitching coach, at 5 o'clock, we must tell you Mike Trout is going to be out six to eight weeks. Six to eight weeks. So you start looking at that schedule-wise. That means no Mike Trout on the 27th through the 30th, which is a four-game set against the Halos. And then the next time the A's are going to see the Halos will be June 14th, 15th, and 16th. That will be no Mike Trout. The next time the A's will see Mike Trout is July 19th and 20th, a two-game set. And then right after that, they go on a long road trip, and they're going to have four in Anaheim, 29th, 30th, 31st, and was it 29th, 30th, 31st, and the first. He may not even be back for that if you're going eight weeks. I mean, the A's might not see Mike Trout until September. How crazy is that? Mike Trout. His career's not over just yet. So let's not panic just yet. No, no, no. no. Let, let me change that. They don't play. Okay, there's one There's one series in September. That's the 17th, 18th, and 19th. That might be the only time the A's see Mike Trout this year. Well, I got one burning question. And I need to know if you know the answer. Can Shohei Otani play center field? God, Shohei Otani can play anywhere. Well, they're going to need him to play it uh, anywhere because with Trout being out, now they got Rendon back. Uh, and uh, mind you, they have the worst team pitching ERA in Major League Baseball. They also have a minus 44 run differential. Buying or selling the Angels will be in last place when Mike Trout returns <laughs> in July or August. I ask you that. Oh, I wish it was these guys. You know what? It's been a while since we've seen anybody else 
other than American League East and American League Central. But just showing up to the ballpark today and seeing the Houston Astros just reminds me how much I hate these guys. I just can't stand these guys. And we were having a conversation before the show today about really how scandalous these guys are from a standpoint of somebody had to set up the camera, somebody had to wire it all the way back to the dugout, into the dugout, and, and it was, in the, it was in the, down in the stairwell, right? Isn't that where the TV was? Yeah, if, if my memory serves right, that was, that was what, two years ago? So it was like a lifetime ago. I was, I was talking with one of our guys here with Diamond Vision, and I'm like, all right, someone had to go buy the camera, someone had to buy the TV, someone had to, you know, and I'm like, how would you do it? He goes, he goes you either have to run it through the stands or even bury it under the field to get it all the way back to the dugout. Think about how scandalous that is. It shows you how everybody knew this was going on and that A.J. Hinch is a liar, Alex Cora is a liar. There are so many people involved in this cheating scandal. It, it, it really is mind-blowing. I mean, there's people who you ask somebody when you work for Major League Baseball and you work for an organization or really any company, when you buy it, the finance people know about it. Don't tell me Alex Cora was taking the camera out to center field and then bearing the cord that would connect all the way back to the dugout. Or that was A.J. Hinch. I mean, there was a lot of people involved in this cheating scandal. Yeah, and we'll never know what really happened. And, and that's a crime. Yeah, and was it put on their personal credit card? Was it on the team credit card? Uh, but that's something we'll never know. But, you know, you're looking forward, you know, looking flash forwarding to this year. Uh, AJ, AJ Hinch is back in baseball. I mean, Detroit stinks, although they're not in last place anymore because, uh, good God, the Twins are a mess. Uh, the, the Red Sox got uh, Alex Cora back after a 60-game layoff. And here the Astros are. At one point, they looked terrible. They were, they were, you know, after coming into Oakland and they won the first four games by a resounding way of, what was it, like 35-9. to nine. They, they outscored the A's the first four games. And then they kind of went through a little lull with COVID-19. And then here they are, and they won six straight. They're the only team in the division with a plus run differential. And here they are back a half game out of first place. And we got a big set here in the AL West. The first time the A's have seen a team in the AL West since the Astros when they uh, started that big uh, winning streak back in Houston. You know what? I would actually like and, and, I, and be, like, totally honest. Like, hey, listen, we will not rip you. I just want to know how you guys did it. I will not take shots at you. I mean, the players really, they may not even really know. But, like, okay, how did you make it all happen? How did the technology work? What did you guys do? Because I'm fascinated to know. And the world should know. The baseball world should know exactly how it went down. Who's writing the tell-all book? You know, it's going to happen eventually, right? Someone's going to write the book. I mean, Jose wrote a book. So who's going to write the book about the Astros? Can we bring on Jose Canseco? Does he know? I mean, he, he, knows, I mean, he knows everything. He's talking, he's talking about aliens, and apparently he knew about J-Lo and A-Rod. I mean, he knows everything, apparently. Hey, you know, my man, Jose... I got to tell you, as, as much as people have opinions on him, he is right a lot of the time. Our government's now admitting to UFOs. J-Lo and A-Rod are not getting married. Everybody's on steroids. I mean, he's a truth teller. Let's be honest. 
What has Jose been wrong on? Uh, well, then he get, well, I don't, I don't know anything about that Barstool fight he got in, but uh, I'm pretty sure he thought he was going to win that fight. That's, that might be the only thing he was wrong about. I, don't, I haven't really followed his uh, – His boxing career has not been stellar. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, that's, that might be about it. But, you know, someone's going to write a tell-all book about what happened with the Astros. It's just bound to happen. Hey, it could be Jeffrey Luna. Who knows? He doesn't have much going on right now. Well, he acted like he didn't know about it, which is – I mean, it's still – the whole thing is still unbelievable if you think about it. Uh, the fact that these guys got away with it, the fact that these guys got to keep all their money, these guys got to keep their World Series rings, and they're like the bank robbers that got away with the heist, and the authorities said, you know what, just tell us what happened, but you can keep everything. And we won't send you to jail. We'll throw the guys that we can really throw under the bus, the manager, the GM, two guys that are no longer even with the franchise. I mean, think about that one, too. Cora was with the Red Sox. Beltron was just hired with the Mets. The guys that had to pay the penalties, well, Beltron was a player. But three out of the four that paid the penalty were not players, which still to me is unbelievable. It's just un- unbelievable. And, hey, everybody in baseball, I know you might be saying, oh, God, are we going over this again? Everybody doesn't like them. Which of the – who do we have on from the Rays? It was Brian Anderson. Brian Anderson who goes, every single time you guys play them, baseball's rooting for you. Yeah. And I'll never I'll never forget listening to Buster Olney's podcast. Him and David Schoenfeld were talking about it. And they were talking about how, well, the Yankees are playing the Astros. Everyone should take note of how the fans reacted to the Astros playing the Yankees. It's like – Again, you guys don't pay attention when the Astros play anybody outside of the Yankees because did you not see what happened in, in Oakland, what happened in Anaheim when they were throwing inflatable and real trash cans on the field in Anaheim? <laughs> so clearly you guys aren't paying that, attention. That was great. It, yeah, and so clearly it's going to happen everywhere they go, and they and it's really not really affecting them anymore. I mean, clearly they won six in a row, like I said. Yeah. But it, it was at first. You could tell it was starting to wear on them a little bit. The one guy that hasn't bothered was Alex Bregman because the guy was just hitting like crazy. You could tell it was really – I mean, it's still affecting Altuve. He's not still not performing well. But uh, we're, here we are again, battle for first place, a half game back the Astros are. And I know I went back and looked at how well they play in, in, you know, in Oakland since 2017. They're 23-17 and 17 at the Coliseum since 2017. So the A's have their hands full. The A's are at home this year. You want to be a little better than 13-11. and 11. They're still out getting outscored at home, 119 to 100 at home. Yeah, but so much is that early. The 35-9 to nine at home against yeah, the Astros. I mean, come on. I mean, the A's, now they have a minus eight run differential, but it's actually plus 32 over the last 34 games. Yeah, they're playing much better. Uh, we'll go over it later, maybe, uh, but they're, uh, the defense, um, a bit concerning. A little bit concerning. You know, Bob Melvin mentioned that after one of the games this weekend about how the defense hasn't been – or maybe it was in the pregame show. I don't know. These days all run together after a while. But Bob did mention that the defense hasn't been great. And then our buddy Mark Simon from Sports Info Solutions. I mean, he's got – who does he have? The only two guys that are playing great defense for the A's this year? Uh, that'd, be, that'd be catcher and uh, left field. So you're looking at Sean Murphy and left field and being Mark Canna. So not Matt Olson, not uh, Matt Chapman. Not uh, Ramon Laureano, not Elvis Andrews, who's a, usually a pretty good defensive shortstop. It's Sean Murphy and Mark Hanna who are performing very well for the A's defensively. They're minus 18 
in defensive run saves. That's 28th in baseball. You know who the worst team in baseball is in defensive run saved? I will say, since I'm looking right yeah, at it, yeah. the Angels. The Angels. Minus 30. Without Mike Trout. Now now without Mike Trout. Now Mike Trout's, a, according to defensive run saved, Mike Trout's a, a, a minus defender when it comes to that. Cause he, but he's so good at everything else, so it doesn't really matter. But, uh, yeah, the, the A's minus 18, that's not a good number. They're def- they've committed in the last, like, 22 games, they've had like 17 errors or something like that. Or nine, maybe it's 19 over the last 25. It hasn't been good. That, I mean, that's shocking. When, when you think about how good Matt Chapman is, when you think of how good Matt Olson is, when you think about the outfield, to say that in defensive runs save, the A's are 28th, I don't know how you say that's not that's shocking. When you showed me this, I was shocked. To be 28th in baseball with these guys? Yeah, so Olsen has cost the A's three runs at first base, and Andrews has cost them four at shortstop. Chapman and Laureano currently rate as MLB average, so zero runs saved. So essentially the way I, f- I read this a couple years ago when I learned about defensive run saves, if you're minus 10, that means you're costing your team about a win per. Every minus 10 is a win. So if you're minus 20, it's two wins you're costing your team. But if you're plus 10, you're obviously giving your team a win with how good you are on defense. So when you're plus 33 at the end of the year, you're going to be a team about three and a half wins almost because how good you are. So it's still really early if you want to look that way. Uh, they're going to improve. I mean, Olsen and Chapman are gold glovers, and Chapman being a platinum glover, uh, I think they're going to be fine. But it is a little weird to seeing that it's it's Sean Murphy and Mark Hanna being the guys that are, that are the uh, premier uh, defensive players for the A so far in the season. Well, you know – it's a big-time injury when everybody's reporting it, right? Most guys who hurt their calves in Major League Baseball, not everybody's sending out, you know, CBS Sports, ESPN, MLB. But that just kind of tells you how big Mike Trout is. And to be out basically for two months, I mean, he's one guy, but he is the guy. And it'll be, you know, interesting to talk to someone like our – buddy Mark Gubaza to say just how much will this affect the team for this season when you lose the guy that's the best player in the game so Jason Stark just put this out Angels with Mike Trout they're 34 games over 500 in his career they're 661 and 627 that's a 513 winning percentage without him 25 games under 500 78 and 103 for a 430 winning percentage uh, that's not good that is not good at all if you're an Angels fan. Well, and to think that you're now looking at a lineup that doesn't have Albert Pujols and doesn't have Mike Trout. Now, I don't think Pujols, I know he had a hit with the Dodgers, but I just don't think he's got that much left. But just how dramatic, dramatically different do they look now than they looked at the start of the season? Uh, Shohei Otani had a home run on a ball that was up in his face yesterday. I think they're going to be fine offensively when you have the worst uh, pitching staff in baseball. It's a little concerning, but, yeah, now the Trout's gone. Um I'm going to ask you again. Hopefully, uh, hopefully Otani can play center field or play somewhere. You need him in the – I mean, he's already playing every day, but he's even more important to them now. Oh, there's no doubt. But you lose Mike Trout and you, and you don't have any pitching, you don't have a shot. You just don't have a shot. Yeah, well, when you expect Dylan Bundy to be the next Nolan Ryan for you, and, uh, <laughs> sorry, no offense to Dylan Bundy. He's not Nolan he's Ryan. He's not Nolan Ryan. Uh, and Andrew Heaney – and Jose and Quintana, they, they, these aren't guys that are going to win a World Series for you, let alone a division with teams that are sacked like the A's in Houston. 
Seattle's on the up and the up and up. They're getting there. Jared Kelnick's coming. Jared Kelnick's here. Um, he had a home run in a second game. And you know Texas is you know they're rebuilding, but it, it's it's tough sledding for the Angels now without Mike Trout. There's no doubt about it. We call him Blummer. Is he on the line? Blummer, how are you? I'm good, Tony. How you doing, man? We're we're, we're doing good and uh, just reacting to the breaking news. I mean, you're losing Mike Trout for two months. Wow. Yeah, who knew that casting was as bad as it it turns out to be, huh? I had no idea, man. They could, they don't need any more losses as far as injuries. They're in bad shape anyways. Just how much – you talk about being in a lineup with a guy who's like an all-time great, and he's not going to be there for two months. Just what's that mindset like for a ball club? Well, it's tough because you're trying to figure out how am I going to re- – or, you know, as a team, you're trying to figure out how do we replace that. And I think that's where a lot of teams get in trouble is because you think you have to replace, you know, 40 home runs and 125 RBIs when in reality you just have to find ways to win games. So I'm not sure, you know, if the if the Angels roster is constructed in a way where they – they, they can salvage wins as opposed to try and replace Mike Trout because there's no way you're going to replace Mike Trout. I'm just kind of curious to see, you know, how that affects him defensively because he's gotten better over those years in center field. But there's definitely going to be some continuity issues and a big hole in the middle of that lineup that I know a lot of pitching staffs, especially in the American League West, are going to look forward to not having to prepare for. I got to tell you, it's so refreshing to see you guys because – it's basically like we got it's, – it's like we got traded to the American League East. I mean, we played every American League East team, and then we played a lot of Central. We haven't seen a team from the West since you guys, the opening series. How crazy is that? Yeah, I don't know who the heck puts these schedules together, but they have been bizarre. You know, I know last year was its own anomaly, but uh, for the Oakland Athletics to play in a division – where you're traveling, you know, by coastal and going to the Midwest and, and coming back and having to travel three time zones and get teams in that you haven't seen in two years is kind of bizarre. And then while, you know, we're down here in Houston, uh, we've run through the angels a couple of times. We've uh, had, you know, the Seattle Mariners come through a couple of times. So it's gotta be incredibly bizarre for, you know, the advanced scouts for the Oakland A's to finally realize that they've got plenty of, plenty of information on a couple of teams that they're actually going to be able to use within the division. It's insane how you what seven games within the American League West all against the Astros and you haven't seen the West until we get back up there. So it's kind of incredible how that's worked out, man. And, and talk about how hot your ball club has been. They've been good, dude. You know what? Um, there was some concern there, you know, after we got done with Oakland and we watched o- the Oakland A's go on their you know, what What seems like, you know, their yearly 20-game run and uh, take over the American League West again. We watched the Houston Astro team falter to, you know, some safety protocol injury list issues where five or six of their, like, their starters end up on the injured list. We call up half of our taxi squad and alternate, alternate site and try to, you know, just tread water until those guys are eligible to come back off the injured list. And eventually they do. They run into a buzzsaw up in New York with uh, both the fans and the team. Salvage one went up there. Uh, But thank goodness for this 10-game homestand because these guys needed a healthy environment, uh, both physically and mentally, for them to come back and play in. So they've done a really good job. They did a great job on this homestand to create a little bit of momentum 
to creep back into this American League West where this is going to be a huge series, I feel like, with uh, the A's and Astros. Yeah, I think about Jose Altuve. He was scuffling last time we saw him. That's not the case now. An 11-game hitting streak, and he's raised his average back over, back up to 303. It was, it was just a matter of time, right? Because he's he's just too talented to, to, to not hit. No, I'm with you on that. I, you know, I'm in the camp where this guy can roll out of bed and get two or three hits, and then all of a sudden he goes on the injured list for five days, and sure enough, he comes out in the first day back. I think he got three hits. So uh, I appreciate when guys like that go out there and prove my theories correct when they're able to hit as well as Altuve is. And uh, I've got to admit, that's a pretty strong limb for me to go out on because he's got a proven track record. I know a lot of people want to point to some of the discrepancies uh, throughout the years in the Astros' uh, uh, reputation maybe, but this is a guy who year in, year out, before, during, after uh, all of the uh, controversies out there has been w- the one stabilizing force that's been able to go out and put the barrel to the baseball, uh, manipulate it around the diamond. He's done it uh, you know, with a little bit of power. He's done it by uh, hitting against the shifts, what I thought, which I thought was incredibly uh, fun to watch. And he's done it in, in certain counts where he knows he's gotten some tough pitches, but he's been able to fight them off and get better pitches and uh, he's actually bunted a couple of times, which kind of surprised me a little bit. Usually he's a guy that likes to swing, but he's laid down a couple of really good, uh, you know, not sacrifice bunts, but bunts for base hits and ended up on base. So it's been a lot of fun to watch him get hot. You know, now that these guys have been in front of the fans and they've heard the booze and they've been through it, are they now over it? Because the way they're playing would say yes. I tell you what. I think Oakland was an excellent initiation for them to understand what they're going to be facing. And then they performed well in that. So that gave them some confidence. And then they went up into New York and that was a whole different animal. That was a lot of hate. There was a lot of vitriol. It was a limited crowd out there so they could hear every single word that was being thrown at them. Uh, the signage, you know, the Yankees stadium didn't do much to tone down some of the signage that was going in there. So I think, you know, I, I think you're right, Tony, that they have maybe seen hopefully the worst of it. I know they have to go to Dodger Stadium maybe once this year. That'll be pretty bad. But they've seen the worst of it and they've survived. But uh, I don't – they're human, man. I mean, I, you can only handle so much of that before it gets to you. And I think it finally got to them a little bit in New York and they kind of got past it. So I hope that's where they're at. Yeah, you know, the, the fascinating part of what you just said was when there's limited attendance – you now can hear everything as a player. So the fans, you know, you, you go into an opposing ballpark, doesn't matter who you are, you're going to get ragged. Oh, some of my – and if you go to watch a minor league game, there's usually one really good heckler in a minor league game, you know, of 1,000 people, and that guy can project his voice past everybody else, and you can hear every syllable that comes out of his mouth. And then you go to a place like Yankee Stadium where it's a cathedral, it's totally enclosed, and you can get 10,000 fans in unison screaming the same thing. And it just starts to get louder and louder and louder. And then once that kind of goes away, you can hear every individual comment. Because, you know, Tony, if you and I are at a game, I'm going to let you say your piece. And when you're done and you give me the floor, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and let it rip and make sure that my voice carries so that we don't, uh, you know, cross-contaminate uh, our, our ragging towards the team. You know, I think they did a great job in that. Was there ever a time in your career, like there was a series where they were just they were all over you the entire series? Um, Philadelphia was a place where I could go in and get a lot of uh, a lot of uh, things thrown at me. 
you know, it was always fun going through San Francisco because uh, I would play left field every once in a while. And it was amazing to me how in San Francisco, being a Northern California guy, these fans did their homework, man. They weren't just reading the bios. They were getting on the internet. They were finding out nooks and crannies of, of my life and, you know, places <laughs> that I ate at, you know, in Berkeley. And, you know, you know, if it was Kip's burgers, you know, they'd be like, oh, we spit in your burger at Kip's, you know, and you didn't know it kind of thing. So they, they got deep and they got personal and it was fantastic because it allowed I, I was a guy who interacted a little bit. So I would, you know, if they said something crazy and I knew I could get back at them, I would say something. But it was a good time out in San Francisco. You know, I, I you think about Philly, for God's sakes, Eagles fans threw uh, snowballs at Santa Claus yeah. and they booed Mike Schmidt, one of the greatest players of all time. Yeah, it was, in, it was insane. They already have the reputation. So, you know, going in there, what you're going to get. And then it, it, it always seems to kind of get better. You know, they always exceed your expectations. You always know it's going to be bad. You know they're going to be ripping on you. But then you get out there and you actually get to hear it firsthand. And it's truly impressive, man. How much are, are, are you missing traveling and, and being able to get out and do your job and be oh. at every single game? It, it's painful. And, it, and it's getting a little more painful the deeper we get in the season just because you know, we rely, and you know this too, getting around the guys, you rely on getting some information and you rely on asking who's healthy. We had a situation a couple of games ago where we got late in the ball game and, and we bring in a particular re- reliever that is you typically used as a long relief guy. And he's pitching in the eighth inning of a one-run game. And I'm sitting there staring at my scorecard going, why aren't we bringing in you know, player 1B, 2B, 3B. I'm like, where are these guys at and why aren't we bringing them in? And you find out after the game that, you know, those certain guys we were asking about were a little beat up, arms were sore, you know, hamstring from, uh, you know, a previous workout were bothering them. So we had to protect them and give them a day off. You know, that that's the kind of information that we get throughout the course of the season that we can use in game to protect those relievers, to protect managers from decisions that they're making and help explain the, situa- the situation on the field that much better. And then, of course, getting down around the cage for me personally is, you know, asking a guy like Michael Brantley who's struggling at 297, how are you doing? What are you working on? Uh, is there, are they pitching you a certain way? Is there something I can look for to help explain to fans at home why you might be having a tough time? Uh, Alex Bregman, you know, hey, you didn't get to a ball. You know, are your legs okay? Are you feeling all right? You know, those are the things that I miss greatly, and I think that uh, eventually you're going to get to a point in a season where most broadcasters will lose a little bit of that personality and that familiarity and start to rely on numbers where, you know, that's not necessarily where we want to be as broadcasters is just spewing numbers. We want to bring some story. We want to bring some life to these guys and uh, give you the ball game at the same time. You know what I've noticed with some of these players is I think they appreciated not having the media around every day last year and maybe at the start of this season. But we're starting to tell, like, when, you, when, you, you, when you're, like, on a Zoom call with a guy and you go, man, we miss seeing you, I think it's starting the, the players are starting to realize this is, this is odd to them. And, 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 you know, you never thought they would miss the media, but I think they're kind of they're just missing that normalcy of what they're so used to as players. Yeah, I really hope you're right about that. And you do get the feeling with certain guys on those Zoom calls. You know, we're we're a communal society, I believe, at large. And I think that once you get inside the realm of baseball, there is a little more community and understanding, you know, on how the functionality of using the media to your advantages for players. And 
you know, most media types are good people. They've got great stories. They tell good stories. Uh, you want to give them information that's going to make their job better. You want to interact with them and understand how their families are doing. So there is a big portion of that that is missing, especially with uh, television and radio broadcasters who travel on team planes. You become a part of that fabric and a part of that energy that is traveling around the country with these guys. And I'm sure that, uh, you know, they're getting to the point where they're recognizing, yeah, there is something missing. And hopefully we get back there sooner than later. Yeah, we miss seeing you guys. I mean, it's just it, it, it's just weird. That's the other thing, man. Yeah, it sucks. I, I hate not going to some of these cities because you know as well as I do. I mean, luckily, we have a relationship where we can talk anytime and I'll respond. But, you know, that's how we get a majority of our information is talking to other broadcasters. What are you seeing? Uh, did you hear about this? Did you see that? And uh, we can get all kinds of insight just by uh, meeting each other in the hallway and talking for a good 10, 15 minutes. Well, I can't wait till you can get back out here and we can uh, we can do this in person. Well, hey, man, you know as well as I do, and everybody hopefully listening to this understands how much you know Northern California means to me. So not being able to travel up there and see some of those names and go across and have a little bit of lunch over there at UC Berkeley, uh, you know as well as I do. I miss traveling and miss seeing you as well. Well, you're a great Cal Bear, and everybody knows it. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that, Tony. That means a lot, man. Thank you. Hey, take care, buddy. Enjoy the series and have a great broadcast. You too. Take care. Hopefully see you soon. That's a World Series hero right there. Part of a statue for the Chicago White Sox. You got a statue? No, but um, your mean Mercedes might get a statue after. Well, oh my we'll, God. we'll get into that later. Yes, that, that's, that's, a, that's, that's a joke. Mercedes swings on 3-0. Hits a home run. That's what I think you're trying to do. And Tony Larusa is telling he's got there's there's consequences to swinging at 3-0. What? A guy throws you a cookie and you don't want to hammer that? I mean that is that, that that's mind blowing to me. Apparently Tim Anderson came out and already backed your me and Mercedes. So I'm backing him. So the most the the guy that everyone said that they didn't think was going to get along with Tony Larusa is already backing the player. So oh boy. It's uh, it's gonna be. This is gonna be so fascinating to see how they navigate the way through. So, white. Thank God the White Sox one are in first place. Two have a plus seventy three run differential, and uh, three they're playing the worst team in the American League Central. So, I think they're gonna be just fine. What does he mean by there's consequences? Uh, Tony's an what? old school guy. I have no idea, but what does the, that mean? It's consequences within our family, meaning they're. Are, oh, what are you telling me? Jose Abreu is gonna be very upset by it. You're mad that your player hit a home run. I don't care what the count is. You're uh, mad your player hit a home run. It, yeah, I, I guess. And Tony's double the age of his oldest player, which I think is Jose Abreu. So, I mean, I, I don't – and I, we love Tony. But, I mean, this is one of those moments where I, I think that he should have had his players back and not said that he there's going to be consequences. I mean, are you ever mad when a guy scores a touchdown? Uh, I'm completely okay with you adding on to the lead. Uh, Bill Belichick always adds on to the lead. Was there is, – has there ever been a time where Steve Kerr – is mad at Steph Curry for hitting a three-pointer? Uh, he Steve Kerr did say earlier this year they're not going to chase wins, and then here they are playing in the play-in game. But, no, he never gets mad about shooting threes. That's all they do is shoot threes. That, that literally is unbelievable. I, I just – if you didn't hear, Mercedes swung at a 3-0 pitch and hit a home run, and his manager is not happy about it. I mean, What? This is 2021, man. You kidding me? And if someone's going to throw you a pitch, I didn't see it, 
I was a little beat up last night. I was in a golf tournament yesterday. But was it just was it a fastball down the middle? It was a 47 mile per hour pitch from a position player pitching, by the way. You better not swing 3 0, Eno. That is such a no no. <laughs> oh, come on. You got to let it eat. <laughs> I mean, I mean, how, how's it possible your manager's mad that you hit a home run? That's crazy. Uh, and I, I feel so bad. This guy's a 28 year old rookie, man. You know, arbitration, that home run will come up for him in arbitration. Estudillo's never going to hear about that home run again. Yeah, and the fact that Tony says there's going to be consequences inside the family. Oh. Like, come on. Are you serious? Yeah, I don't know, man. And, you know, the, he has his players uh, liking posts that are critical about him. There's definitely uh, – the players are definitely voicing their concerns today uh, on social media. So, you know, he, if they weren't in first place, man, I think that he would be close to losing that clubhouse and to, to really be on top of it. And that is something everybody was worried about, right? It's like we're starting we're starting to see everybody's fears. I, I think so, but you know, he's he's lucky they're in first. If they're they stay in first, winning usually solves everything. But I I would say that I I personally think the number one role of a manager is to to sort of manage the personalities. So Scott Emerson, our pitching coach, has said on this program multiple times, check the bats. When you want to talk about all the home runs, he says the bats are different. They don't break as much as they used to. And when they do break, they're like flying objects, like spears through the air. <laughs> and you guys have been looking at bats. How much has, has the baseball bat changed over the years? Oh, it has changed. I think the finish uh, is different. Um you know, there's different, uh, you know, the players have gone to Maple over other ones. I think that Maple, that might be part of the splintering. The the idea is that Maple um, sticks together longer and is, is a great bat to swing, but then when it breaks, it shatters. Um, so I think maybe the move from Ash and Birch to Maple has had something to do with that. Uh, but generally, I would say that bat technology and what's going on in the bat world lags behind pitcher technology. I mean... If you go look at, at golfers, golfers, you know, like professional golfers will get golf, like will get fitted for their golf clubs where they, they're swinging different types and weights and models in front of like a, a machine, in front of like a hit tracks type of machine uh, in order to, to really get the exact right model. And uh, even professional baseball players don't really do that. Well, I tell you, I just got fitted last year for clubs uh, golf and they put me on track man and they had me try uh-huh. they had me try different shafts they had me try different heads you know when you start talking exactly. about your irons your driver your three wood your rescue club every you know and, and certain things I performed different like we you know what they did the, the guy it, it was titleist and that guy put an extra long driver in my uh, extra long shaft in my hand and I immediately was like this is awful he goes yeah he goes you got long arms for your short body. So I, I, I had to get shorter than normal shafts. I realized, you know, my entire life I've been playing with clubs that don't fit me. Yeah, yeah. And part of what we're figuring out now, uh, finally, this, this bat engineer that I wrote about uh, that used to work for, for Easton, 
um, he, he said that, uh, you know, these bats, even bats that have the same model, it's a little, that, that's where it's a little bit different from a golf club. So a golf club is all mostly metal, right? It's, yeah. It's, it's not, it's not wood. So if they say it, 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 it weighs this many ounces or this, this many grams, they're probably right down to like the, the microgram. Uh, but when it comes to bats, that comes from wood, from trees. And if you've ever uh, gone to Home Depot and tried to pick out some wood, you'll know that, you know, there's wide differences from one slab to the next. Um, and, uh, and so there's some variants that'll come that will be different from golf where it's just like, okay, we fit you to this model. We think this is the best model for you. And then even when we give you 12 of these bats in this model, one of these bats will be way better than the rest in this group of 12. Um, and so there's this new outfit that's trying to weigh and measure the bats that are given to professional players to tell them, that, you know, these two, three bats are uh, the best bats and these are, these are the worst ones. And it's been, I, I wouldn't say it's been a large part of Jed Lowry's resurgence, uh, but it's, you know, Jed Lowry went to long ball this, this place and uh, it's been a part of what's going on. He's got, he's got the best bats fitted for him that he's had in his career. It just makes sense, right? This is the equipment that you use. This is your living. Wouldn't you want to know everything about whether I don't care if it's your glove, your spikes, uh, just mm-hmm. e- everything that you're using to succeed? I just think it'd be why wouldn't you want to know everything about it? And it's something you have control over, right? Like, you know, the ball changes every year. We talk all the time about the ball, right? Um, and the ball changes every year, but like you're not Manfred you can't do anything about that um and you know yes the other equipment is important too but this is something that directly impacts the ball so um you know I think the players are generally starting to understand like one of the things you saw was like the axe handle um I don't know if there's anybody using that on the A's but the axe handle is just like a different kind of handle that fits your hand differently and then guys like Mookie Betts and George Springer love the axe the axe handle uh, so there's been some uh, differences, like some innovation in bats, but there's there's uh, there's more to more to come, I think. Yeah, I think Ramon Laureano uses one, but I think that would probably be it. And you mentioned the ball; it was so funny. There was an article that came out like on a Tuesday that said, "Oh, there's evidence to show that the balls changed." And then on Thursday, another article comes out and goes, "Nah, it's pretty much the same." So it's like. Is the ball different? Is it the same? Is it a juice ball? Not a juice ball? Where are we with that? Yeah, the, the problem was that they made two big changes to the ball and then went in different directions. And so uh, what they did was they deadened the inside of the ball, and so that deadened the ball a little bit. But they also made the ball lighter. So uh, players are hitting the ball harder. If you look up, exit velocities are up. Barrel rates are up. Um, and that's because the ball is lighter. So the two of those things uh, did end up sapping some home runs. Um, we're back to about 26, 2017, 2018 maybe in terms of home runs. But there was a little side effect that they didn't anticipate that has been really bad. And I think you might have noticed it if you've been watching the game. The lighter ball is easier to throw harder. And we just had the biggest increase in fastball velocity year over year that we've had in 10 years. And now the average velocity is over 94 miles an hour. And balls, also because they're lighter, the seams are a little bit higher, they're, they're moving more. So the strikeout rate just went from, oh, you know, we have a problem. It's 23%. It's now 24-plus. It's like almost 25%. And this is the most strikeouts we ever had in baseball. And it has, it has a little bit to do with the ball.
And then I can take a little sunscreen with a little rosin. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but but when but, but seriously, what's baseball going to do if I'm going to say, hey, I'm trying to protect myself from skin cancer? You're going to tell me I can't have sunscreen? <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we you know we revisited, we revisited that uh, a little bit too, and in subsequent um, analysis, uh, I had a lab look at it, and the sunscreen and rosin is not as bad. Uh, and not as crazy, not as good of a performance enhancer as some of the other stuff they're using. They're using a stuff called Spider Tack, which will like uh, will will keep a cinder block attached to your hand. So uh, the Spider Tack gives you 500 RPM, and the sunscreen and rosin gives you like 50 RPM. So you know, if we did, if baseball did want to do something about strikeout rate, one of the things they could do is just say, hey, sunscreen and rosin, fine, we can't do anything about that. But this other stuff that'll that'll attach a cinder block to your hand, we got We're gonna try and do something about that. What the hell is? I, I'm looking it up right now. You can buy it on Amazon. Why? Why would you? I mean, if, okay, let's get away from baseball. Why would you buy the spider tag? What, what, what's it for? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. My dad's a contractor, and I asked him about what what loading uh, cinder blocks meant, and he didn't quite understand. But maybe to to like uh, fill a, a truck with cinder blocks, you put spider tack on your hand. I listen. I don't know. If you look at the uh, mentions and the the comments on that on that page on on eBay, a lot of them are about baseball. <laughs> so I mean, th- I mean, you want to talk about funny? I mean, you know, steroids are illegal and cost a lot of money. Spider Tack, I, I can get Spider Tack right now on Amazon for thirteen ninety nine. So you're telling me this substance <laughs> that's thirteen dollars is changing our game? And I had a pitching coordinator, a pitching coordinator. He's on the pitching side, and he said this stuff is better than steroids because it directly impacts the movement of the ball. Well, we need to buy some of this and see what it's like. Like, how could like if you had it on your fingers, could is it is it like clear? Could could umpires actually see it? Uh no, it it, it kind of looks like pine tar. It's kind of like it, it looked dirty, like oily, and very sticky. If they touched you, they'd know right away. <laughs> but um, go up and shake hands with them. But, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, and and they're trying to do something about it. I mean, we saw when Bauer came to to Oakland, they were they were they were taking the balls off of play, um, and uh, and they were they're they're trying to look into it. But you know, I think there's also the complication that the collective bargaining agreement is coming up soon, and so they're already and there's like this big the the players sued baseball over last year's COVID situation um, already. So there's already like this big fight looming, and. Just going, even doing something as simple as suspending Trevor Bauer for 15 days or whatever it is, um, would start another fight uh, with the union, probably. So I think right now they're just trying. You remember in that Mitchell Report time when they were like, "We're just going to try and find out how bad it is." I think I, if I give baseball a charitable reading of what they're doing right now, they're in that we're just trying to figure out how bad it is uh, part of it. I, 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 you know, we, we were talking about it before the show today about the Houston Astros. And I was talking to some of the people down at Diamond Vision going, how many people would have to be involved to set up a camera in center field, wire it all the way back into the, you know, past the dugout and down in a hallway 
Like, that's not – like, Alex Cora is not going to Best Buy and buying a TV and a oh, camera. Oh, my God. I mean, how many people – That was the whole organization. Yeah, I mean, how, I mean, how many people had to be involved in this to make that happen? And that's why it leaked. That's why it's been more frustrating covering this because it's just something where people say, oh, we've been doing this forever. Oh, whatever. It's just sunscreen and rosin. The, the, the Red Sox, they didn't, they didn't even get in trouble for it, you know? Uh, so people say it's not, it's not, it's just been done forever. However, it's been science now. You know what I mean? <laughs> they're like, they're, they're figuring out if spider tack gives you 500 RPM. It's a little different than when they were like, Oh yeah, you just, you know, put some sunscreen on the rosin. <laughs> so, um, everything, everything in this game gets science. It, we, we started talking about the science of bats, right? Everything gets science. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. I guess. Yeah. If you want to go with the, the, the heavy spider tack, that's going to run you a cool thirty-eight ninety-nine on Amazon. Oh, 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 oh. There you go. I can't believe but, they're, they're – If anybody wants to check, I, I, check them out. There are definitely comments that people are like, this is great for pitching. And you're like, uh, okay. <laughs> well, I, what, what ends up happening is, you know, these guys are all launch angle. These guys are all trying to hit home runs. And now you got guys throwing harder than ever with more movement than ever. And we have less action in the game. And let's face it, it gets boring. You know, we can have games that are three to two games. And at the end, uh, Ken Quark will be like, and that was three hours and 34 minutes. You're like, there was only five runs scored in the game. Yeah. And uh, it's, I, I don't think it's, you know, sometimes it's about the way that it's scoring. You know, it could be a 3-2 game with five solo homers, you know, and that then those could be the five hits in the game, you know, um, and uh, and that's that's how it feels in in baseball where it's like uh, we're we've lost the single and and don't ask me about the triple man because I love the triple but we lost the triple too, um, and so it's more I you know the, baseball was really upset about how long games were and they were trying to cut it down which they didn't do it's it's still three hours it's been three hours forever and it's not going to be three hours i mean anything less than three hours anytime soon what's more important to me is how long we go between a ball and play and that time is through the roof and i I just think that's important because when you're at home a strikeout is fine right because you see all the movement you see where it's placed you see 98 oh that was nasty pitch you know that's fine it's great when you're at the ballpark it's like 80% of the park can't see what pitch type it was or what the velo was. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, what pitch was that? And I love when people up in the bleachers are like, Oh man, that wasn't a strike. And you're like, dude, you sure that wasn't a strike? Uh, But anyway, my point, my point is like strikeouts at the ballpark are not as fun at home. I can see it. Yeah. Strikeouts can be fun at home. That's the TV experience, but at the ballpark, Strikeouts are not as much fun, and everybody looks up from their phone or looks up from their conversation when they hear the crack of the bat. Balls and play are good. You know, ever since we started shifting on righties as much as almost lefties, I've noticed this year, and I, I don't I don't keep track, but just, you know, keeping score every game for the A's and watching it, it seems like the shift is getting beat more than it has in the past. Is there any type of metric or numbers saying that, yeah, we're shifting, but the shift's getting beat? I think there's, you know, there's a way of just saying it very simply, which is that 
there's always going to be a point at which it becomes less useful to shift more. And I think we've got to that point. Like we were more teams are shifting more often than ever before. That means at some point you've gone too far. <laughs> I mean, like there is going to be a point where it's too much because there's this whole other part of the field. And I, I've definitely anecdotally seen more bunts uh, to beat the shift, more uh, players developing sort of a, a B swing or a C swing uh, where they can just kind of put it in play, slap it the other way. Um, and that's what's going to happen if you continue to shift. You're going to, you're going to, that's the only reason why I don't want to get rid of the shift necessarily because over time there are going to be, we're going to value people who can hit the ball the other way and make contact. Uh, and that's going to start per- percolating through. And I think we're starting to see it. If you get rid of the shift and everybody can go back to trying to pull full homers and full singles because they'll get, they'll get more singles out uh, with the shift gone. Yeah. The people around here, you know, when you talk to them off the record, they're like, Hey guys get paid to Homer. Cause I'm always like, yeah, all you gotta do is hit a ground ball to short and you got a base hit. There's nobody there. I mean, wh- why wouldn't you do that? Well, you don't get paid. You don't get paid to do that. You get paid to hit homers. I will say, Michael Brantley got a pretty good deal. And I think that teams are starting to realize that in the postseason, strikeout rate is really important. So what if we do this? What if next year we expand the postseason like we did last year, right? And more and more teams get into the postseason. Then it'll be more important to start building your team for the postseason than the regular season. Because half the teams get in, and then all of a sudden teams will say, ooh, I really need to have a team that can put the ball in play because it's going to be all about the postseason this year. You know, I know the fans do not care about this, but for people in our business, it's been tough that we have not been around these guys for essentially two years. And as you mentioned, the CBA is coming up. You know, do do you think the players are going to try and maybe keep it this way to where they don't have as much interaction with the media? They don't have beat writers hanging out in the clubhouse uh, before every game and after every game. Do you think they'll fight for that? I don't think it's uh, – <laughs> I think that some of them definitely did enjoy not having us around. <laughs> uh, but uh, I will say that I just don't think that it's, it's a high priority because the number one priority is getting the first – in your first three years when you're in the big leagues, getting more money in those years. The number one priority is getting paid when you're young because they're not paying you when you're old anymore. So you got to get paid when you're young. So I think the number one priority for – for the, for the players is double the minimum salary, which is at 500000 right now, um, and that'll be a big deal. And then maybe trying to cut one year of arbitration, something like that. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, if you don't want to pay me later, you got to play, pay me early. And, I, and I've, exactly. said, <laughs> I, I've said this, I'd rather pay a guy in his prime than, he was when, than mm-hmm. when he's 35 years old. Speaking of that, I'm watching the Astros take ground balls as we speak. What the heck do you do with Carlos Correa when he turns down 120 something million and you think there's a good chance he's going to leave? Do you ride it out or do you want to get something for him? I mean, I think they're gonna, that particular team is going to ride it out because they um, are a contender and, you know, they're going to play to the end of the season and, and be a wild card or, or division contender. So I think they'll, they'll hold on to him. One thing that they've done behind the scenes is. They signed a, a center fielder type from Cuba, Pedro Leon, Pedro Leon, who will be ready pretty quickly. And instead of playing him in center, they're playing him at short. So I think that's kind of like broadcasting. They're like, okay, we're kind of moving on. Um, and uh, and then lastly, I mean, I think it's harder for a team like uh, you know the Rockies. They're out of contention, but Trevor Story 
uh, his deal is up at the end of the season. So will, how much will they even get back for him? Uh, but that's the, that's the big shortstop. And he's even been linked to Oakland. So uh, that would be pretty wild if, if oh. Trevor Story was the big <laughs> A's acquisition. Can you imagine if Carlos Correa came to the A's, how awkward that would be? Oh, no, yeah, I, don't that I mean, the players, I mean, the bottom line is our guys don't like their guys. It's just a reality. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they've had a, a long history of, you know, of competing in the division, but then also just this huge cheating scandal where they were like, look, they were, they were cheating. And, uh, and, uh, you know, they're, you know, maybe not all of that stuff has come out. Well, I, I, I'm going to do this for us. I'm going to order some spider tack off Amazon, and we're going to get to the bo- <laughs> we're going to we're going to get we're going to get to the bottom of how a how a substance that costs thirteen ninety nine has changed all of baseball. Uh, yeah, yeah, you got to get someone uh, who can who can throw all right. At, you know, like someone who just uh, was in college or 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 just uh, just finished up a, a career and get them to throw. Uh, but, you know, in the clubhouse, when we were still in the clubhouse, I was anecdotally, I was seeing players. I had players that when they were talking to me were loading up, were, were putting pine tar in their gloves. Um, and <laughs> that's how that's how widespread it was. Oh, I love that about our game. All right, buddy. Hey, it's great to hear from you. You be well. Yeah, you too. Thanks for having me on. Eno Saris from The Athletic. A new article out, 11 pages of how – the baseball bats are different. They're all different. I mean, it's it's it, it's you you would think they'd they'd be almost basically all the same, but that's not the case with wood bats. Yeah, and the two big guys that he mentions in the art. Well, there's three guys that he gets a lot of quotes from. One of them is uh, Jed Lowry. Uh, he's having a, a nice year. The other guy's uh, Mitch Haniger. He's having a very good year for Seattle. And uh, Adam Rosales is mentioned in there a few times, too. Uh, he mentions in there about the, the double. You know, the, his last hit was a double. could have been a home run. So there, it was a pretty good article. I read it earlier and then um, was 11 pages, as you mentioned. Uh, 11 pages printed. It was like 10 and a half, but it came out to 11 with, like, the way the athletic has it with the end. You can rate the story. And then there's starting with the comments. But uh, I, I suggest people go read it and learn about bats and how they're made and how, you know, bat makers – make them and how they score bats and not how every bat's made differently. No two bats are the same. And uh, where they get the bats from, the different wood from different parts of the country, is mainly from Pennsylvania and New York, it sounds like. So uh, fascinating read from Eno Saris. All right. Do you want to know what spider tack is? Uh, well, since it was dominating the conversation, I, I do now. Spider tack competition grade is tacky for loading Atlas stones. It's the stickiest. Ta- it's this. It is the stickiest tacky on the market. It maintains its stickiness in the cold and heat better than any other tacky. It goes on easy, and will improve your stone loading performance. So it sounds like it's made for like you know, uh, mace. You know, people that work in. Uh landscaping and uh what's the it's not masonry but there's a word on uh, it's escaping me but yeah it's people that work you know with tile yeah and, yeah. and and do stone stone work all day long like yeah that's probably why and how much was it 13.99 on amazon yeah so and that that's changing the game of baseball 
13. You, you want to improve? I guess you want to improve your grip, folks. Thirteen ninety nine on Amazon. You can get Spider Tack, and we've had we've had somebody with the A's organization mention to us off the air how much it's hurting baseball. The bottom line. Yeah. You know, it's funny we talked to Eno. He wrote an article, was it last year or two years ago? Remember we talked about the three the three uh, college programs that are, you know, the technology they have. It was like Wake, Vandy, and Mizzou about, you know, how, uh, you know, prospects are going, I, or, and college hitters like, I can't wait to go hit at Mizzou. Well, funny that we talked about, you know, we read that. Dina, my fiance, her cousin, plays at Mizzou. So I reached out to him, and I was, I'm going to have a conversation. I'm like, so what's this technology you guys have that makes you guys so much better than every other college besides Vandy and Wake Forest? And he goes, he, he started talking, he goes, I don't know what we have that makes us so much better, but here's, he started laying on some of the stuff. So I'm going to get in more into this because he's a fifth-year player at Mizzou. So I'm kind of curious what kind of technology these college hitters have that, you know, that makes them more advanced than some major league teams as, you know, had that in that article, I think it was last year or two years ago. I can see from a pitching standpoint, you know, they, they you, 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 the thing you got to remember about some of these colleges is they've got a lot of money. Some of these programs in the SEC, the ACC, they've got really big budgets. And the other thing is they're connected to their university hospitals. You know, the A's are not connected to a hospital. So what these hospitals have, have been a part of, these, these graduate assistants are trying to figure out how to keep pitchers healthy. So they've got, this, they got these programs you know, like North Carolina has a hospital. You know, they Stanford has a hot right. They they're connected to these hospitals and these doctors and these and these programs. So I think that's helped college, all of college sports in a lot of ways, but especially college baseball. That was a that was something that I mean, San Jose State. I mean, it, no matter where you go, you you you're going to have people that look after you versus you know you don't have that with, with like a major league baseball. Team. Yeah. San Jose State's a you have doctors, but you're not connected to an actual hospital. San Jose State's a football school, though. So, well, that's 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 fact. Yeah, one of my friends is a team doctor with the Pirates, so I can, if I need some uh, inside info on how that works, I can ask him uh, how that's working for the the. Well, they're starting to trend towards being the worst team in the National League Central, but uh, you're right on that part. And but it's just fascinating to hear. I, I'm I'm curious to pick his brain because I want to see. You know, he's a college fifth year, so he he got to come back for another year. And uh, I want to see where he's projected to go in the draft and all that. So it's the first time I get to talk to someone that can maybe get drafted in the college in from college baseball into the major league baseball draft. It's only 20 rounds this year, but he said he had a couple teams looking at him last year in the, you know, after for free agency, but he chose to go back. So he went from like t- uh, TCU to another school, and now he's at uh, now he's at Mizzou for his final year. All right, coming up next, the pitching coach of your Oakland Athletics, Scott Emerson, right here on A's Cast Live. Hi, this is Ramon Laureano. And the throw is going to be in time at the plate. Laureano firing a strike all the way on the line. And you're listening to A's Cast, your 24-7 destination for A's baseball. Well, I got to tell you, today felt like I was living in the 70s. My my Wi-Fi went out at my house. 
I had to I I had to tape Scott Emerson using a landline phone, which is great because we always say nobody has a landline besides Ray Fossey and who was the other Mark Gubazon. Mark Gubazon, yeah. Well, now it's Ray Fossey, Mark Gubazon, and Chris Townsend all have landlines. So I have a landline that Cody was like, "What's the number?" I'm like, "I don't know. I've never used it." <laughs> it's just it's part of the package that we have uh, at the house. So I had no idea what, what what the home phone was. I mean, I'm, I'm kicked off Twitter. My Wi-Fi's down, and I'm using a landline. Is this 1978? What what year is this? Oh, that's so great. The the, the Twitter thing is just it, that's it's mind blowing. Yeah, it's it's the it's the best saga going right now. And they still like they said oh, we're we're reviewing it and we're gonna get back to you and uh, it's been like three weeks <laughs> and uh, yeah I haven't received anything from Twitter. We might have to we might have to reach out again. And, and it's not like I'm controversial. All I do is retweet or tweet about our show. Yeah, or talk about the A's. Yeah, I'm not. I, I'm not out there doing politics. I'm not. You know, that's you know everybody who's been kicked off Twitter. It's because of politics. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Or you or you're threatening people. I'm tweeting about A's Cast Live, and mainly I'm retweeting the A's Cast account. Yeah, I, I, I've gotten to a point with Twitter. Twitter's gotten so toxic that it's just to be somebody out there constantly tweeting right now. You, you're just you're really putting yourself out there. And I'm a blue checkmark guy, too. It's not like I'm some random person on Twitter. A, f- a faceless uh, a faceless egg guy on Twitter. Yeah, you actually have a, a blue checkmark. And I've been I, – I, I don't know why I've been kicked off. Yeah, we, 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 I think we're going to have to reach out to them. Maybe after the show, we'll have to set, try resetting your password, and they'll send you another, hey, uh, yeah, we, we're still looking into this for you. Yeah, we're still looking into your account. Maybe they're against the A's. I mean, Twitter is based in San Francisco. Are they against the A's? We want to know. They're in San Francisco, so they're probably Giants fans. Wow. The conspiracy continues. Here is my conversation with Scott Emerson. He's on a cell phone in the bullpen, and I'm at home on a landline. We take you back to 1978. Emo, how are you? How's life treating you? Life's going good, Townie. How are you doing? I'm doing well, and I think you've got to be really proud of the way your guys have performed this year because I think when you look at your guys' record and I think where you are, it's because of your pitching staff. Well, I think, you know, it's a, it's a total team effort, as you know, in this game. You know, you win a lot of games uh, in, in many different areas on the field, and, and pitching's just one part of the, of the game. You know, we, we get great defense from our guys and, and our offense uh, scores runs when we need to. And, and we just play solid overall team baseball, in my opinion. You know, when, when I look at your staff and, and I think about what you're throwing out there every single day, you're throwing out somebody who's going out to compete, somebody who's going out to win. And I don't think we see that with every single team. Just talk about how every one of your, every one of your starters is they're out there to win the game. Well, you know, I, I think one of the things that, uh, you know, I, I like from our starters are that, you know, they, they are guys that go out there and just want to keep us in the game, go as hard as they can, as long as they can. And, and um, you know, they're, they're all focused at, uh, you know, doing better than the next guy and having healthy competition. 
and they're they're not about the, the the statistical battles. They're about trying to you know keep us in the game to win the game. And and for me, that's what uh, baseball is all about. Is at the end of the day, uh, do you win or do you lose? And uh, you know, I've always heard that old saying. Well, was it sometimes it's not how you uh, play the game or whatever that old saying was. I started thinking uh, it's not if you win or lose, it's how you play the game. But in in reality, it's winning. At the big league level, it's all about winning. So, you know, you just go out there, you know, Bassett the other day gave up some runs early, and he just kept battling and battling, and he kept us in the game, and he actually left the game with a chance to win the game. So that's, you know, those are the competition uh, I like to see out of our guys. Yeah, because that's the thing. It's like we've now conditioned these pitchers that if you give up a couple runs, we're going to pull you. And the reality is you've got to battle through it work through the adversity and give me some innings and give me a chance to win. And that's what I've liked about, you know, a couple of starts that we've seen lately is that there's not going to be the quick hook and you've got to, you've got to battle through it and get through it. Yeah. You know, I think that's, uh, you know, also trying to keep your bullpen fresh. You know, if you're constantly quick hooking guys uh, and you're using your bullpen, you're just taxing and wearing out your bullpen. So, you know, I think that, you know, you know, if you're down a couple runs and the guy is throwing the ball well and he made one mistake, I mean, that doesn't deserve a guy, you know, coming out of a game, in my opinion. And uh, Skip's done a great job of that, managing that. And, uh, you know, we've had some guys that given up some runs early, but they've, they've stayed focused throughout the rest of the game and they've shut the door down. And we've won some games because of it. You know, I've wanted to ask you about the, the 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 number 100. Like, why why are we so consumed with 100 pitches? Why is it not 95? Why is it not 110, 115? Like, is there any science that's out there that says, okay, guy gets around 100 pitches, now we got to worry? Well, you know, I think more so it's, uh, you know, the number of times through the batting order that you're looking at. And generally when a guy gets to 75 to 100, uh, pitches, he's looking at going through the meat of the order for a third time. So, you know, sometimes you don't you don't want those certain pitchers going through the order a fourth time. But, you know, you, you ask pitchers to throw three pitches or less, uh, you'll settle for four pitches or less, and you'll even take five pitches or less per hitter. That's kind of what, you know, I've always preached, and that's 15 pitches per inning, and you multiply that by nine, that's 135, if my math is correct. So, you know, if a guy's cruising along, you know, I don't see why we can't do that. But um, you know how how the game has changed and how people get scrutin, scrutinized for uh, taking pitchers sometimes over over 100 pitches. But generally when a guy's throwing good and he's at 100 pitches, they'll, they'll keep going. If you do look at the statistics, between 100 and 115 is actually pretty good numbers for pitchers because that means they're pitching pretty good if they go back out there after 100. Yeah, and I think about one guy that I, I it's been a real treat to watch him pitch has been Cole Irvin. And to watch him pound the strike zone with quality strikes, it, it's so refreshing to see always in a, in a pitcher's count, uh, going after the hitters, utilize your defense. Talk about what you've seen with this left-hander. Well, you know, uh, I mean, you've heard me say it a million times probably now. I would have said a thousand, but we're probably getting – close to a million that's hitting <laughs> timing pitching his disruption of timing and Cole does that really well 
You know, he threw, I think, last game, he only threw like two breaking balls. It was fastball changeup, uh, you know, disrupting their timing, moving his fastball around. And if you can move your fastball around the different quadrants and different areas of the plate, those are those are different pitches as well. You can get it close to his eyes. You can throw it down and away. Uh, that's also a changing speed, uh, effective velocity. You know, a ball that appears at your eyes looks faster than a ball that's farther away from your eyes. So he does that really well, moves the ball around, and that's called pitching. You know, obviously, you know, if a guy throws 95 to 100, you still want him to be pitching. And, uh, you know, Cole's 90 to 95, uh, and he can pitch. He moves his ball around and disrupts timing. So it, it's it's great to see a guy that can go out there and do that. You know, the fastball usage is declining in, in the game and that's because everybody's worried about throwing it as hard as they can. But at some point in time, they decide, well, I can't throw it for a strike, so I got to throw a breaking pitch. And that's, you know, that's the one thing we stress is when you're going to throw a fastball, you still need to know where it's going and, uh, you know, location over velo. But we'll take velo and, and location all at the same time. That's just, it's bizarre to me. Why would we be seeing less fastballs than we've ever seen before? Well, you know, when, when you take a, when you're, you know, pushing your body to the limit and you're trying to throw it as hard as you can, uh, you got to sacrifice something and that's location. So, uh, you know, it's a little bit different when you can spin a baseball, uh, you know, you spin a baseball at, at your release point, generally it's going to land somewhere in that box or below the box slightly for a prob- you know, probable swing and miss. But when it comes to that fastball command, these guys, you know, a lot of guys just don't want to throw it uh, because they don't know where it's going, in my opinion. The guys that do know where it's going, they'll throw it 60, 65 percent of the time. Uh, the guys that don't, they end up going to some sort of spin and, and you know, trying to get the hitter to get themselves out. But, you know, I still like the guys that know where it's going. When you're going to throw it, know where it's going. Well, that's the thing that I love about Yasmero Petit is he's not afraid and he's going to go out there and he is going to battle. What, what's it like coaching this guy who's willing to take the ball every single day? Well, it, it's, it's, a, it's a pleasure. You know, uh, the one thing about Hughes is his work ethic. You know, he's, he's out on the field early getting his, uh, getting his conditioning in, working on his, uh, his arm. You know, if you've noticed, you've seen probably a little bit more velo. Uh, 87s and 88s this year because he's out making sure he's in shape and and uh, you know he's just working at his delivery working at his timing and he does a great job of leading by example and 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 no and no doubt about it and the thing is too it's like not only is he helping you guys on the field but how he helps guys in their careers off the field if you could speak to that yeah I mean he's just a a, uh, a great uh, a leader, you know, you, you, you know, not all leaders have to be vocal. You know, Hughes just goes about his daily business. He does his work. He has a great routine and guys notice that and, and guys go up and talk to him about it. And, you know, like I said, he's just a guy that goes out there, knows what it takes to get himself ready, uh, his body, his mind, and uh, it rubs off on other people. You know, Ray Fossey ran into Trevor Rosenthal recently, and Trevor said he's ahead of schedule. What, what, what can you tell us about Trevor and when we might be able to see him? Well, Ray's probably got a little bit more info than me on that one. <laughs> but, uh, 
you know, I, I just, uh, you know, talked to Rosie and just, you know, it's not easy when you, when you have an injury at, at, to this degree and you've got to sit out a lot of time. You know, the one thing that we're going to do is just, you know, continue to, to worry about his health and his, and his mindset. And when he's ready, Tony, he's going to be ready, and, and hopefully it's ready uh, sooner than later. Yeah, and I think about what, what what that will mean to your ball club. I mean, if you can get him back, and he's the same guy that we saw last year in Kansas City and San Diego, what would that mean? Oh, it, it, it's it's exceptional. I mean, that's like acquiring a a, a stud at the uh, trade deadline. I mean, this guy has got all the tools. He's been in those situations, and you know, the one thing is he's been a closer. You know, that's been his job. You know, right now we're we're piecing it together with with Lou and, and Deke, and uh, they're doing a great job uh, together uh, doing it. But you know, they've never really done it before. So when you get somebody back into the mix that has done it before, you're able to push your other guys back into where they've been comfortable. So that'll be exciting times. Yeah, and and I I think you're real proud of, of Deekman and Trevino. It's it, it's a next man up mentality, and both these guys have ha, have carried it. When as you said, they'd never done it before. Yeah, I mean it, it's 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 not easy. It's it's different. That's like you know you take a, a guy who's hit in the seven hole his whole career, and you move him up to the three hole, and he's going to start getting pitched a little bit different. You know, it always seems like when you. Uh, you're closing. It's like, oh, geez, the, the the meat of the order is always coming up. So, you know, I think our guys, those two guys, have done a great job, and they'll continue to do a great job for us. You know, it's going to be refreshing to get back into the AOS because I've been joking on the post game show, and you guys have been gone, and I'm like, it's like we got transferred to the AL East. It's like we've been playing the AL East every game, and then a little bit of the Central. Just how nice is it going to be to be back in division? Well, you know, it's it's you know we've played the Astros seven times and we're playing them tonight uh, for three, so we'll have ten games in division without playing anybody else in the division. That's a little uh, ironic to me, but uh, you know, you get back into some familiarity with uh, guys you know and ballparks you've been to a lot of the time. Maybe some comfort areas for some guys. So, you know, our guys will just go out and play baseball. I guess that's the best thing, you know. Just go out every day and and see where we're at. And let's end on this. We're getting closer to having uh, an answer for you on the bats. As the athletic is looking into the bats, talking how the the bats are definitely different than they used to be. So your theory, hopefully soon, we will prove is right. And that as much as we talk about the baseball, we need to start talking about the bats. Hey, hey! You don't have to prove it to me. I, I watch it and live it every day. I've been saying that for three or four years now. It's just a, it's a different. It's a, it's way different than when I played. I can say that. Well, we miss seeing you, buddy. Hope all is well, and we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. That is good stuff right there. Emo on a cell phone, me on a landline. You can't beat you can't beat that kind of quality. I already had people texting me. One of our one of our old coworkers texted me and said, "It's Townie talking into a tin can." <laughs> uh, well, we're not used to you know when when internet goes down, you do the next thing you can, and that's use a, a landline, which nobody has besides you, Ray Fossey, and Mark Gubazon now. Apparently, I gotta get this thing fixed. I got I, I got them coming out tomorrow.
But it, you know, when, when when your box goes down, there's you know it is the technology is what it is. Like if you can't get online, you're are the way you know we're not we don't use ISDN lines anymore. So we're now if if your internet goes out, I, I remember when we were doing Warriors, and so many times these guys would just start tearing everything down after the game, right? Because over at Oracle, you know, there's a there's a concert coming or there's something. So Tim Roy would get pulled off the air. I remember Tim Roy. I mean, this is the Golden State Warriors, for God's sakes. They're winning championships, and Tim Roy's having to do the postgame show from his cell phone because some grip pulled the cord and ended their internet. And once our internet is gone – the way our equipment works, if we can't use a hard line, if we if we can't use internet, we're out. That's the way the new technology is. Back in the day, an ISDN line was it's an actually a dedicated phone line, but now very expensive too. Apparently, it's what I was always told. Yeah, well now yeah they're they they're just getting rid of that that technology altogether. They won't even install them anymore. I remember when I moved, I had mine at my house for about. 13 years cost me 99 bucks a month but i mean it paid for itself and then when i moved and i called to get my isdn line moved no one knew what it was and i'm like i have a bill right here you've been charging me but nobody knows what it is anymore you got to be really old school to know yeah everyone everyone just uses the uh everyone uses the internet and a comrex unit so um that's the way we're going us we use i mean we use video and we use we use hardline in using ethernet so it's the way technology is moving but um i'm glad we're able to do it using a a uh, your landline because uh if not we would have to reschedule on emo and it was funny because i saw emo walking out and i texted him like well i think emo's gonna call in early because i saw him he literally walked out he sat in he sat in the bullpen and he's just sitting there so when he came on i said hey emo i see you and he looked up and he started waving to me so i'm up here he's down there you're at home on a landline he's on a cell phone and i'm here using uh, video. As I said, back to 1978, no internet, no Twitter, and everything done on a landline. Let's do a little buying or selling. Time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. All right, so we got about three minutes. So I'll get through this one rather quickly, but we knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. The Yankees have been looking good. They climbed out of the cellar. Aaron Judge is on fire. My guy Luke Voigt's back. And John Carlos Stanton, he had already had nine home runs this year. That was two more than he had in 2019 and 2020 combined. But we knew it was coming. It was inevitable. You know what I mean? Who's going on the I.L.? Oh, John Carlos is no. on the injured list. He Cal Ripken Jr.? The modern-day Cal Ripken. Monday morning, he was added to the injured list with a quad strain, not a calf strain like uh, Mike Trout, who was out for six to eight weeks. So, Sand played in 158 games for the Yankees in 2018, but he's failed to stay healthy the past two seasons. He has only ever eclipsed the 40-home run club once, and that was his MVP season when he hit 59. He is currently 31 years of age. Buying or selling, Giancarlo Stanton will never hit 40 home runs in a season again. Oh, wow. Uh, I got to sell that. There may be one time this guy actually stays somewhat healthy, but you look at his games played, 
I mean, he only played 18 games in a full season in 2019. Last year, he only played in 23 of the 60 games. And he and he's at 33 now, and he's going on the IL? Yeah. I mean, this guy, it just he can't stay healthy. What value does he have for you when – I mean, he can hit a lot of home runs, but if he's never held, he this is his home run totals the last three years: three, four, and nine. That's why I said he has more home runs this year than he had the last two years combined, and more. So it's troubling if you're a Yankees fan. But you got Luke Voigt back, so that's good. All right. Well, and, and uh, oh by the way, what are the what are you? Uh, no, you sold him a lot. You're paying him twenty nine million this year, and then thirty two million the next three years. I mean, they're basically they're paying him till he's till he's thirty eight. Nah, uh, Marlins paying half your salary. That's what the Miami Marlins think of you. No, so it's gonna be uh, it's if they maybe move into a full time DH role like a Nelson Cruz or Chris Davis, maybe he can hit forty home runs in a season because he doesn't have to play in the field. But we'll see. He's only thirty one, and he isn't he is a pretty good outfielder when he plays. But that's when he plays, which isn't all the time. And those last time he played one hundred fifty eight games was a couple years ago in twenty eighteen. All right, so the Angels stink right now. We mentioned Mike Trout being hurt. But they do have uh, Shohei Otani, but they are now six and a half games behind the A's. But that was coming into yesterday. They did win last night. They beat the Red Sox Sunday night, and they cued everyone to be talking about them once again because, well, uh, Mike Trout broke his slump of 0 for 18. What a bum. I mentioned he's out. But Shohei Otani had a two-run homer in the ninth for the Angels. Then he had a three-run bomb last night. Well, the pitch was in, in his eyeballs, essentially against the Indians. He's currently hitting 263 with 13 homers, 32 RBI, 10 doubles, and 6 steals. He has 48 strikeouts as a hitter and only 8 walks, and he has an OPS over 900 and a war of 1.2. Buying or selling Shohei Otani is the MVP of the American League right now. The MVP of the league? American League, yes. He's definitely getting votes. But is he the MVP? Uh, I mean, he's pretty valuable. I mean, he's the Angels' best player right now. Whoa, whoa, whoa. 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 Mike, Trout, Mike Trout's not playing. <laughs> I, I would buy that. I, he, he would definitely get votes. There's no question. I mean, I mean, he's what he's doing. I mean, he's the Angels' only pitcher, too. Um, sorry. I'm sorry to he's Angels fans. He's a four-inning guy. Come on. Yeah, well, I mean, everyone, every six days he can go four innings. Everyone goes, oh, my God, you see, he had eight strikeouts. He also had six walks in that start, too. But, you know, everyone, you know, neglects that he had six walks. It's all about how many strikeouts he had and how he only went four innings with 100 pitches, and they forget the six walks. So I love what he's doing at the plate, though. He looks incredible. The way he runs, just everything about him is he's taking over baseball. It's great. It's great, but it just it stinks that, one, he doesn't he, – doesn't pitch longer than four innings, and two, the team he plays for isn't very good, which is great for us because they play in the same division. But uh, with Trout being out, I'd lo- I mean, per- selfishly, I'd love to see him play center field uh, just to see if he can see him do it, but they're going to have him DH still. So um, I'll save the rest. There's a new docuseries coming out on Derek Jeter, so we can get into that tomorrow. Move oh. over last last dance. The captain is coming out oh, on what, ESPN. What are they going to talk about? Mar- him being the owner of the Mar- CEO of the Marlins, baby. That's what it's going to be about? No, I don't know what it's going to be about. I- it's going to be about Derek Jeter. Who Who's doing it? ESPN. Oh, God. This is when we need more Derek Jeter content. Oh, just 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 when you thought he was gone, they bring him back. We couldn't. We You couldn't let A-Rod have his due on ESPN. <laughs> you had to bring Derek Jeter back, didn't you? 
All right, what are we playing here? We're going to play uh, part one of May's Community Spotlight with Vince Catronio before uh, A's Total Access with you. And then who are we playing in uh, A's Total Access? Uh, Scott Emerson, two parts of Emo. So if you miss the interview. By I'd... phone? Yeah, why not? Because it sounds terrible. Well, who else do you want to play? We got Blummer. All right, I'll send Blummer. Emo? I mean, e- Eno. Eno. We, had, we, had a, we had an Emo and an Eno on today. Yeah, there you go. All right, I'll send one of those over. All right. Thank you for listening to A's Cast Live. We'll be back in about uh, 14 minutes. Thank you, everybody. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.